You bring Braun to the office. I'm Ron Palenka. Braun, these are your guys. We're going to try to make it work. Because at the end of the day, if y'all make the playoffs, <laughs> which is, I guess, still a question, there's no team out West that's not going to be at least a little bit afraid of y'all. No team is going to want to see you. And we saw you going to run last year with this exact roster. We're going to chill. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Kenny Beecham podcast, the NBA trade deadline extravaganza, maybe? One, one of the weakest trade deadlines we've had in recent history. Now, of course, we were, were spoiled with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving getting traded. We were spoiled with getting a Tyrese Halliburton, DeMontis Sabonis swap a few years before. This deadline was not to compare to those. The headlining names for the 2024 trade de deadline, Bojan Bogdanovic, Buddy Heald, PJ Washington? It was, a t it was a tough one. It was a tough one, which is interesting because that just means to me that a lot of the teams towards the top of the, the standings, the contending teams, really trust what they have right now. It also tells me that the teams that we saw to be sellers weren't necessarily sellers. And we're going to talk about all of that. Now, I know some of y'all clicked on this video to hear me talk about the Chicago Bulls. For the third year in a row, no trade deadline deal. Now, I dropped an entire video on the Kenny Friel YouTube channel that you might have seen. Hell, it was on the trending page of YouTube. Thank you for that. I did clickbait you a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Um, so I don't I, I don't want to talk about it too much again. This is what I will say to you, though. Um, a, a lot of the times I've talked about the Bulls leading up to the trade deadline. It was with the idea like, oh, my God, Zach Levine trades, DeMar DeRozan trades, Alice Caruso trades. And then like Kobe White is a most improved player candidate. That's it. But now that the trade deadline is done and they didn't do anything, there is no real reason for me to come on this podcast and talk about these Chicago Bulls for the rest of the season. Unless they go on a 25-game win streak. <laughs> Unless they fire a coach or they fire a general... They, that's it. It's wraps. They, are, they have now gone to one of those tier teams. And it hurts my heart because that's my, those are my guys. I will be watching the rest of the season. I am not happy with way, the way things are done. But I will say... This is, this is the nail in the coffin for the Kenny Beaton podcast and the Chicago Bulls. I'll just, again, unless Kobe drop 82, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, unless Kobe White drop 82, we're just not going to be chatting Bulls no more. I just, I can't, I can't do it. They don't get any more time. Now, the way I usually go into the deadline, first of all, I usually do a stream annually, and this stream was uh, a legendary one. We ended up peaking at like 4,000 live concurrent viewers, which is a lot considering every single podcast and, and every single NBA creator was doing their own live stream, and we had 4,000 real here, so I, I appreciate that. Um, but I, I try to look at the deadline with three different questions in mind. The first one is, did a contending team make themselves the favorite to win a championship? And like I mentioned a couple seconds ago, no real contenders made big moves. Like the Celtics made a couple moves on the 10th and 11th man of a rotation, which might matter or might not matter. But other than that, we saw the different Nuggets stand pat. We saw the Clippers stand pat. It, the, most of the teams that we consider to be the higher level contenders kind of chilled this deadline, which is interesting. The second question is, did a team make a long-term commitment to a direction of their franchise. Now, this is normally what we talk about the Atlanta Hawks or the Chicago Bulls, where they made a decision to maybe sell at the deadline. But obviously, again, we didn't we didn't really do that. Maybe, maybe that is their long-term commi commitment to uh, direction. Commitment to mediocrity. The Bulls, a lot higher on that level than the Atlanta Hawks. And I'll talk about why I'm low-key okay with the Atlanta Hawks not making deals later in the episode. And then the last question is, did a, border, a team that is a borderline contender Make moves to make themselves real contenders. And I think 
The answer to that one is absolutely. The winner of the 2024 trade deadline was the New York Knicks. It hurt my heart, you know. On the other podcast, Numbers on the Board, uh, my, my cousin, my co-host, Pierre, is a diehard Knicks fan. And throughout the entirety of our show, leading up until maybe the last two years, we used to always make fun of each other because both of our teams were awful. You know, we used to just poke fun at one team having 27 wins and the other one having 24. Every year, at least until recently, we had a $250 bet. Which one of our two teams will be better at the end of the season? The last couple of years, I ain't putting no money on that because <laughs> the Knicks have genuinely been really good and really well ran, and it's just not normal. The entirety of my lifetime, the Knicks have made weird decision after weird decision, but something happened in 2022. Leon Rose came into the front office and said, hey, I got us. Leon Rose, the guy that was a, 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 a agent for a very long time in the association, and it's just not really often we see those type of people transition to a a, a, uh, a position of power like this in an organization and be successful. Well, Leon Rose has done so phenomenal without having a top 10 player. Jalen Brunson, he's playing damn good this season, but I'm not there to put him in the, in the top 10 player. Now, the big deals uh, that they did, um, th- this is what they got back. Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich, they sent out Ever Fournier's salary filler, um, Malachi Flynn's salary filler, Quentin Grimes, a real NBA player, Ryan Archidiakono hurt my heart, the Villanova boys just lost a guy. And two second-round picks and some cash considerations to get Boyan and Alec, Alec Burks? It's pretty damn good. You think about the trade they did earlier in the season to bring in O'Jan and Obi for R.J. Barry Emanuel quickly, pre- pretty damn good. Now, usually, when, it, when a team does this type of trade, when a team accumulate this much talent and right now they are 10 to 11 deep when healthy obviously they got the ojan and obi uh injury for the next three weeks which is if it was gonna happen this is the perfect time because we do have the the all-star break next weekend um obviously julius randall uh dislocated his shoulder and then mitchell robinson has been out for some time but it's rumors that he will be back relatively relatively soon but barring good health they have a a real legitimate 10 to 11 man rotation of people that i would trust in a playoff series it's not a lot of teams out there that have that many real players. And the addition of Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic adds another element of people that could put the ball on the floor and create for themselves and create for others. I believe that that is one of the archetypes that is missing on a lot of really good contending teams. They traditionally have one to two to maybe three players that could put the ball on the floor, create for themselves and create for others. The Knicks have so many of those people. I mean, I said this when the, when the trade originally went down. Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic, they very well can come to New York and not do anything of significance. But I feel very, very confident that one of those two players is going to have one really good playoff game. And I don't mean that they're going to drop 40, right? A really good Alec Burks game. We've seen it right before he got traded from Detroit. He had a 35-piece. He had five threes in another game. Like, Alec Burks a guy, and Knicks fans know this because they had him on the team a few years back. Alec Burks is a very steady player. Now, leading up until the last month or so, he'd been having a really bad shooting year, but he ramped it up a little bit right before the trade. Bojan Bogdanovich is not the same player of 2018 when he was competing with LeBron James when he was a part of the Pacers, but he's one of those players that could come in, he can start, He could come off your bench and he can be a connecting piece that can hit big shots for you if necessary. But let me get back to the original point. When you put together a team of this caliber with this many really good players, you're typically sacrificing one of two things. All of your future flexibility. The Knicks put off this trade and we're giving up two seconds. They put off the O'John and Obi trade. We're giving up a bad first round pick. 
they still have all of their future picks. That is unheard of. You're either going to lose all your future flexibility or you're going to lose all of your young talent. Now, you're like, Kenny, whoa, they traded away RJ Bear, who's 23. They traded away Manuel Quickly, who's also like 23. They traded away Obi Toppin, who's relatively young as well. When I talk about young talent, the average age of the team is still about 26 and a half. This is still a relative. Now, all of these people are in their primes, I would say. You know, and they still have things that they could they could move if necessary. But I don't know how necessary it would be. Like Leon Rose really has put together a masterclass over these last couple seasons. Guess what? I didn't see it when they made the the acquisition of Jalen Brunson. I was like, that's a very good pickup. But I think when we were doing our off season um, greats, our off season greats, I gave him like a B. Yeah, Jalen Brunson's really good. I didn't think he was going to be all NBA good, and he is. They picked up Julius Randle. He had been a guy who had been uh, can, can give you a month or two months of really good basketball, but he was doing it on a Pelicans team that wasn't very good. And it was a lot of things. All NBA guy, Mitchell Robinson, late draft pick. It goes on and on and on. And this is about to be, and, and maybe this has happened in my lifetime, and I just can't think about it off the top of my head. This team is the perfect case study to the idea of needing the best player in every single playoff series. You look historically about the teams that are considered contenders. Usually they have one of the top 10 players. In a lot of cases to win a championship, you need one of the top five players. The Knicks are the best constructed talent that I can think of off the top of mind that doesn't have one of those top 10, top five players that I feel confident in. They have great coaching. They have a great lead guard who has shown us last year, first round and second round. And a year before that, when he was with Luka Doncic, that is a real playoff player. Ten players that I trust. Tom Thibodeau does have his hands full because it's, it's not going to be easy to, to balance out everything to make sure everybody's happy. Um, again, the silver lining, and, and of course, you don't want to look at injuries this way, is that with OG Adenobi and Julius Randle being out, we're going to see a lot of Bojan Bogdanovic early on. It's not like he's coming into a fully healthy team where we like, is he playing 20 minutes? Is he playing 15? Now he's probably going to get 20 to 30 minutes per game, so he could get that. And I think I honestly do think winning does a lot. So a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic, who's been a starter for the majority of his career, and he might not be a starter in New York, I mean, he just left the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he might be a little bit okay with his role going down a little bit because they're going to they're gonna win more basketball games in New York. Now, they, again, out of all of the teams in the Eastern Conference that we consider contenders or borderline contenders, they were the most active one. And for good reason. What they gave up doesn't matter in the grand scheme of their now or their future. Quinn Grimes, and there's a guy, Quinn Grimes is a guy that I'm excited to see in, in Detroit. Quinn Grimes is not a player that they felt really confident in Tom Thibodeau. Like he went from a guy that was a starter on the team to coming off the bench to losing his confidence to now gaining it back a little bit. And there have been a lot of rumors about him being traded. The, the biggest rumor is that they want to see him go out west because they didn't want to face him. He's in the east, but he's on a team that you don't have you don't have to worry about anytime soon. So I'm excited for that if you're a Pistons fan. Uh it was a it was a it was definitely a weird deadline. Were they buying? Were they selling? They were doing a little bit of a little bit of both. One of, those, one of those confusing years where Troy Weaver's like, please, please let me keep my job. And guess what, Pistons fans? You have not looked like the worst team in basketball over the last two weeks. You're on a two-game win streak. And last time I checked, I think you had the 11th-ranked offense in the last two weeks with like the 27th-ranked defense. That's not amazing, but it's not the worst team of all time. Uh, before they made their last couple of deals, I, I was trolling a little bit, but I, I'm kind of convincing myself with, with the uh, Pistons. 
I think Satina can end up with 20 wins at the end of the season. You know? Basically, what they, what they need to do is be a little bit worse than 500 the rest of the way. Do we think they could do that? Jaden Ivey playing the, the game that he's playing. Jalen Duran, I mean, if he's completely healthy, I, I feel pretty good about his, uh, his ability to make them better. A 2020 game yesterday. Uh, but, but that's not what we're talking about. They're not a team that we should be chatting with too much. They still do have all of that money come this offseason. So let's build in blocks, Detroit. Build in blocks. It was definitely interesting because they brought in Simone Fontecchio. They gave up a Washington Wizards second-round pick, which is like the, what, 33rd overall pick in this year's draft, maybe 32nd in this year's draft to pretty much get his bird rights because he's a restricted free agent. Um, but, but back to the Knicks. Um, I'm, I'm happy for Knicks fans because it, it's been torture for a better half of 10 to 20 years. And you, again, have a legitimate team that I, I think a lot of people are going to go into. The, the Knicks could, could match up against almost any team in the Eastern Conference. I'm, I'm going to go through the standings really quick. Um, the Knicks at this moment in time are the four seed. They're tied with the Bucks, who just lost last night. Um, and there are two games outside of the two seeds. Shout out to the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs just continue to roll. Another one of those high-end teams that didn't do anything. And I'm not, I'm not mad at it. I, I'm not mad at it. Um, but I feel like the Knicks can go into almost any series, and there are going to be real people that will pick them. And I don't mean like, oh, the New York is the biggest market in the NBA, and I'm a Knicks fan. No, I mean like the the unbiased NBA super fans will see them go against the 76ers in this hypothetical playoff that starts today. I'm taking the Knicks in that, right? And then the next round, oof. actually, what, what's going to be very important for the Knicks, um, uh, for the Bucks, or any team that's in there is staying away from the four seed. Try to get as far away as possible. To, to, to the Boston Celtics. But even then, if they did stay four and they beat the 76 and one in the first series, I think there will be people that's like, the Knicks ain't going out without a fight against Boston. Now, Boston does have the top end talent um, and everything. And, and barring good health, I think I would still pick the Celtics in that series. But I think there will be people that are saying, hey, the Knicks have a real legitimate chance. But every other series, if they match up against the Bucks, they match up against the Cavs, they match up against the Pacers or the Heat or so on and so forth, there are going to be many people that's going to look at that and say, New York Knicks are the team. Now, that's us without knowing exactly how everything is going to look. That's us, us without knowing if Mitchell Robinson was, is going to be back, what Julius Randle we get after the shoulder injury, elbow injury on OG Ananobi. I didn't read if it was a shooting arm or not, but a big-ish injury. Um, but it's interesting. Because you go to FanDuel Sportsbook, you talk about the New York Knicks. After all of these trades, they are tied with for the fifth highest odds to win an NBA championship. And it got me thinking, when was the last time the Knicks were this high? <laughs> I couldn't even go back that far. That's how good of an off or a deadline they had and an offseason they had last year. They brought in Dante DiVincenzo for less than the mid-level exception. He's been phenomenal. They traded for Josh Hart and gave up Cam Reddish in a first-round pick to turn into Chris Murray. It's been a masterclass. And right now they are tied with the, the Phoenix Suns for fifth, only behind the Boston Celtics, the Denver Nuggets, the LA Clippers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. And, and it's plus six, 1,600. Um, so it's a gap between the fourth team and the fifth team. But I don't hate those odds, man. I really do not hate those odds. Again, a very good case study on not having a top 10 player and potentially winning a championship. 
FanDuel is putting the ball in your court for the rest of the NBA season because new customers get $200 in bonus bets with any $5 winning bet. That's 200 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on the NBA with a wide range of bets, like quick bets, same game parlays, and player props. Personally, I like taking the money line of one of the bottom feeder teams, especially when they're going against a contender. So visit FanDuel.com slash Kenny and make your first bet a layup. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued with non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbooks.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinepa.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York. Let's talk about some of the teams that did nothing. The Lakers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Golden State Warriors did zero trades. And uh, in the moment, as, as we're winding down to 3 o'clock Eastern time, I'm like, man, the Lakers really not doing nothing. Man, the Warriors not even going to try to move the Chris Paul contract. Man, DeJounte Murray is staying pat. And I start to think about the rest of the deals that happen around the deadline. And I start to realize that the market just... just wasn't anything there. Let's start off with the LA Lakers. And again, in a moment of time, I'm like, man, are we punting a LeBron James season? He's 39 years old. He's good. He's great. But we, he's not going to get any better. Are we punting a LeBron James season? And then I think about it like, first of all, they didn't have many assets. A 2029 first round pick, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura. These are your assets. It's kind of tough to figure that out. And from all reports, from things I've read and things I've heard, the Atlanta Hawks were trying to get real players back that they want on their team. So D'Angelo Russell don't really fit with Trey Young. Uh, they weren't giving up Austin Reeves in these deals. So yeah, it makes sense that that trade kind of fell on his face. The idea of, of punting a LeBron James season, again, didn't sit right with me in, in the moment. He's tweeting emojis. He's got, the, he's got the Knicks tile, t- a towel on his back as he goes through the tunnel after beating the Knicks to put in pressure on the L.A. Lakers. But I understand it. Is that crazy? What player out there do you believe was going to put the Lakers into real contention? It's hard to find. Now, if you're saying, Kenny, I wanted us to do things around the edges, I respect that. I definitely respect that. But doing the things around the edges like a Dorfenny Smith, who was a hot commodity on the market, was not moved. Alice Caruso, who's around the edges, hot commodity, was not moved. And why was that? 
or the Bulls are dumb. And, and the, I guess the boss, the Brooklyn Nets were not bluffing. <laughs> I thought they were. I, honestly, I read all the reports. Oh, they they declined uh, two heavily protected first round picks for DFS. I thought, man, they tripping. That's not true. Well, I guess that's yeah, real. So where are the moves around the edges that you want to see them do? By them sticking what they have now. They have three tradable first round picks in the offseason. Braun, you bring Braun to the office. I'm Rob Palenka. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm role-playing as a general manager like I do on my other YouTube channels. Braun, these are your guys. And LeBron actually said this in an interview recently. Um, these, are, these are your guys. We're going to try to make it work. Because at the end of the day, if y'all make the playoffs, <laughs> which is, I guess, still a question, there's no team out West that's not going to be at least a little bit afraid of y'all. No matter how, how bad of a three-point shooting team you are, no matter that you don't have a point of attack defender, especially since Jared Vanderbilt is out, no team is going to want to see you. And we saw you go on a run last year with this exact roster. We're going to chill. Now, if you trust me, remember, I did help you get that championship in 2020. If you trust me in the offseason where we have three first-round picks, we're going to make it worth your time. Whether that be Trey Young, who everybody's rumoring at this point, and I don't even think it's based in anything. Everybody just wants to see. I don't think it's based in anything. Other than them being clutch clients, I think. I think they're both clutch. Um, we got three tradable first-round picks. Uh, just, just trust. Because DeJounte wasn't coming to L.A., Caruso wasn't coming to LA. DFS wasn't coming to LA. And you think about the other trades in the market. I mean, maybe you say, hey, we could have gave up um, some stuff to get Alec Burks at Boyan Bogdanovich. Maybe the Pistons really valued Quentin Grimes as the young player coming back because the Lakers don't have a young player of Quentin Grimes' value. Maybe you like, hey, we wanted B.J. Washington. Well, you were going to give up a 2029 first round pick of P.J. Washington. Not many teams were doing that. I mean, there was one team that did that, but not many teams are doing that. So I'm not going to allow myself to be finessed with the idea of making a P.J. Washington trade to L.A. when P.J. Washington would help us maybe win some more games, but he's not about to be the determinant factor whether we, we get another banner in L.A. So we're chilling and pray that LeBron is okay with it because that player option is, is large and we think he's going to accept it, but he's LeBron. He's been unpredictable his entire career. So we'll see. We'll see. So I'm not too mad about it. I know Lakers fans are because the Lakers fandom is, of course, so accustomed to being in championship contention. You know, that's who, who it is. I mean, you have LeBron on your team. You're trying to tell them that we're punting the season. I understand the frustration, Lakers fans. Do not get me wrong. I'm in my frustration, too, with my team. But I'm thinking grand scheme, if things work perfectly, and we don't know if they will, grand scheme, let's say you go to the playoffs, you get eliminated by whoever, whoever. Offseason comes around, and then you use those three first-round picks to go get a real, real player. Are you going to be upset that last year y'all got eliminated in the first round, second round? If you go get a real all-star caliber player with those three first-round picks, I doubt you're going to care as much. I doubt you'll care as much. Now, that's, again, assuming that they do that. Next team, Atlanta. Um, the, the Atlanta Hawks are in, in the conversation with the Bulls in a lot of people's case, like, oh my God, they didn't do anything. And I, I, I don't even think that that's, that's apples to oranges to me. That's apples to oranges to me because the Atlanta Hawks still have all of the leverage in these conversations. DeJounte Murray just signed an extension. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is under contract. I, I'm pretty sure Click Capella still got an extra year on his deal. So it's not like it's, we trade him right now or we get him. We, we, we don't do anything later. These people will be under contract for the rest of the year and plus four more. So if the perfect deal wasn't out there for DeJounte Murray, so be it. We'll wait to the offseason. We'll just wait to the offseason. There is no real reason if you're the Wizards, if it were Kyle Kuzma, or you're the Atlanta Hawks with DeJounte Murray to accept an offer that you, you don't really like right now. Let's, you're up in the, the asking price. 
If we trade DeJounte Murray to the Lakers today, we get one first round pick. If they call us again in the offseason, we could get two to three. Ah, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. And, and the Atlanta Hawks had been playing better basketball as of late, so that also probably plays a factor too. A team that is all but cementing themselves as a playing team. Um, I just think it's not the same as the Bulls who have expiring contracts and old players. These are players that are in their prime or in entering their prime under contract for three to four seasons. There is re- no real rush other than Atlanta Hawks fans are like, man, we just want to see some change. And again, I understand that Hawks fans. I understand that. But I think, I mean, I don't know how competent your front office is grand scheme, but I think that you could look back on it and say, okay, holding on to DeJounte until, until June is maybe better. Now I'm seeing a lot of rumors. I mentioned it earlier about the other, other guard. I don't think it's based on anything. I guess I guess we'll see. So I'm not even mad about that. I'm not mad about that. There was the rumors about the New Orleans Pelicans wanting in, but then again, the Pelicans said they didn't want to give up CJ McCollum. They didn't want to give up Zion. They didn't want to give up Brandon Ingram. And they didn't want to give up Herb Jones. Who the hell is left? They, they wanted Clint Capella too. So we got to feel $37 million in salary and you don't want to give up one of your players that make that? So <laughs> deal is off. What the heck? Deal is off. Um... So, yeah, I think so many general managers out there were playing hardball when they maybe shouldn't have. And I'm not saying that the Pelicans fit that. I, I, the idea of, of DeJounte Murray as a league guard in New Orleans was interesting to me when I saw it happen. Now, I didn't know if it was a perfect fit, but I was like, okay, I, under, I understand at least a little bit why they would be active there. Another team that wasn't active that I was surprised about, um, the Orlando Magic. Now, I didn't think the Orlando Magic needed to swing for the fences, but it's just interesting to see them not go get a guard. They need one. And again, Kenny, look at the market. Maybe the guard wasn't there. Tyce Jones didn't get traded. Monte Morris got traded for a couple seconds and, and bad pieces at the end of the bench. So I feel like there could have been a guy out there, but maybe and I'm not in these calls, actually. And the last team that didn't do anything, the Warriors. Oops. The Warriors had a lot of rumors. Uh, most of them revolving around Wiggins. The Mavs are interested. This team is interested. I was pretty certain that the Chris Paul contract was going to be moved along with like a Moody or something. Didn't happen. Read a lot of reports. Heard from a guy very close to the Chicago Bulls that they did. They did call about Alex Caruso. They called. And the, the, <laughs> the offer wasn't that bad. And the Bulls said, ah, can you give us your second best player, Jonathan Kaminga, please? No, no, we can't do that. Second best player for the last month or two. Let's, you know, um, they they were interested in giving a Moody and a first. I would have been okay with that as a Bulls fan. The Bulls were not. Um, I heard that they called about some other people. Doran Finney-Smith didn't, didn't get to the finish line. So it wasn't like they were, were sitting on their hands and wasn't taking calls. They didn't want to overpay. And when you think about the the Warriors, who are now on a three game win streak um, after a big game from this big first quarter from Steph Curry and uh, against the Pacers last night, um, they are tied with the Utah Jazz for the the tenth spot. And guess what? The Jazz just sold three pieces of their top eight. Another year, where I'm assuming that the Pacers are gonna um, uh, the, the Jazz are gonna fall a little bit. They got no small forward wingy players. It's like Larry Markin moved back up to the three like two years ago. I'm assuming that the the Jazz are gonna fall. So that opens the door. For the Rockets, who didn't do anything, so maybe not so much for the Rockets, but mostly for the Warriors to at least get in the play-in. And the Warriors has have found something, at least a little bit, with the Kaminga, Wiggins, and uh, Draymond Green starting starting five. 
I wish they would have bulked up. And again, they were in conversations outside of the Caruso thing with, with Drummond coming to the team. And Drummond has been a monster. So he would have fit perfectly there. It's just having another body that gets rebounds and defends a little bit. Um, didn't get to the finish line there either. I would have loved for them to go get another big, but they didn't. They're going to be in the plan. I'm pretty confident about that. And similar to with the Lakers, it's one of those teams that no matter who's healthy, I mean, as long as Steph Curry's healthy, it's going to be a team that people are not going to want to see. So I know Warriors fans really wanted them to make some deals, and I understand it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And the minutes, again, the minutes of those three, of Wiggins, Kaminga, and Draymond, might have saved the season to an extent. Now, them not making a trade, I feel pretty good about saying they're not a contender. <laughs> I feel pretty damn good about that. But it might have saved the season in the sense that they will be competitive enough to get back into the play-in, maybe get into a playoff series, and maybe cause some havoc that way. Now they got to hope that they don't get matched up against the Nuggets because they don't have the answer for that big fella. Um, the Timberwolves, I think we talked about that in the last episode, what would happen in the Wolves-Warriors series. We're talking about a double big lineup when they don't really have two bigs. Now they have the veteran leadership of Curry and and uh, and Draymond and stuff and stuff and all of the all of the experience in the world in a series like that. But personnel for personnel, they don't match up well against those guys. And maybe that, sh- that, might, that doesn't matter. Um, but not doing anything was a surprise. But again, as I look at the market and I look at who was traded and who wasn't traded, I mean, we're talking about 17 total deals and the top people again were PJ Washington and, and Buddy Hield. Like, I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping. A team, talk about PJ Washington, a team that I have conflicting feelings about, the Mavericks. Now, I will say this right now, Mavericks fans, you are significantly better on court today than you were yesterday. And sometimes that is all that matters. When you have a talent of Luka Doncic, sometimes that is all that really matters. Are we better today than we were yesterday? And the answer is objectively yes. Now, this is a team that have lost so many games this year due to injury. Kyrie Irving has missed half of the season. The, the list goes on and on of quality. Dante Exum has been out. Quality, real players, missing time. And ultimately, right now, you are uh, 29 and 23, three-game win streak actively, a game and a half outside of top six. Good. But the reason is conflicting because, again, I do love the Daniel Gaffer fit to now that you now that you have it. So you have no center minutes that aren't at least quality. You know, now Gaffer does not know one top 10 player of, of his position, but he's a quality, quality player. And he's a, a backup to Derek Lively in most cases, who also has been injured at some. Um, I love the I love the addition. P.J. Washington. Not the shooter that uh, he gets a reputation for. I was looking at his numbers. His ca- his catch and shoot, the entirety of his career has been about 34%. His best year is about 36% on catch and shoot threes. Not ideal for playing alongside Luka Doncic. But he's going to be playing alongside Luka Doncic. I'm sure he's going to, not just to catch and shoot numbers, but just be more impactful in Dallas. Again, I, I love the pickups. The conflicting thing is they gave up a lot of the future. Remember at the top of the show, we were talking about with the New York Knicks, when you do these type of trades, when you go all in, you typically are giving up your future assets slash future players or one of the two. The Mavericks gave up all the future assets. People that don't remember. To bring in Grant Williams this offseason, seven months ago, they traded a first round pick swap to the Spurs. That is 2030. To bring in Grant Williams. And to not get rid of Grant Williams, but... To send Grant Williams on his way to get P.J. Washington, they gave up a 2027 first-round pick. Now, again, I can understand you saying, we got Luka Doncic. I don't care about first-round picks. That's valid. 
But ultimately, in order to bring in P.J. Washington, you, you gave up two first-round picks for P.J. Washington? I don't love it. Especially considering a lot of these first-round picks, the 2027, the 2030, the, the 2029 that you gave out and, and other deals, that's after the Luka Doncic contract is up. Knock on wood, Dallas. I'm praying you keep Luka for an eternity. He follows Dirk's path. But knock on wood. If things ain't going perfectly and Luka say the deuces, uh-oh. We ain't really got no draft capital to build around. Now, I'm not saying you should, you should live your life with that in the back of your mind. But it might be something to consider. You know, you gave up a, a, um, a 2024 first round pick to bring in Daniel Gafford. That's a backup player, but it wasn't your own first round pick. It was like the worst of the thunder and this and this. It's not a, it's not a pick that's going to hold too much value to you this season anyway. A lot of people are saying that this draft class is fun. So who, who cares, right? But I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not. <sighs> Again. They are better today than they were yesterday. And sometimes that is all that matters. But I'm just a little bit afraid of the next big move that could be done. The next player that fits what you want to do. How do we bring him into Dallas? Or again, if Luca decides that he wants the deuces, what do we do? And Mavs fans, you're probably like, we don't give a damn about that, Kenny. We dancing in the street because we have nine real NBA players, finally. And I'm okay with that too now. Now, candidly, um, I have not watched a ton of, of Hornets games this season, so I'm not sure exactly what, what PJ has been on this season. That kind of takes me to my next one with the OKC Thunder bringing in Gordon Hayward, which is a surprise deal. Candidly, I have not watched a lot of Hornets. And the times I have watched the Hornets, guess who wasn't playing? <laughs> but Gordo, um, based on reputation, and again, I'm not, I saw a video the other day after the trade of people putting up a highlight reel, and it was a Barack Obama administration highlight reel with Gordon Hayward. Um, Don Maker was on the court guarding him on the switch. Don Maker. Kobe Bean Bryant, may he, may his, maybe rest his soul. He was on the court. <laughs> Sometimes it's how long it's been since we've seen Gordon Hayward. Um, but considering what you gave up with this trade man, Davis Bertans, it's all that really matter. I love it. Expiring contract. If things don't go well, fine. We still got up to $36 million in cap next season before we have to pay J-Dub and, and we have to pay Chet Holmgren and so on and so forth. I really love this deal. The same thing I said earlier in the episode um, about the Knicks adding two connectors or two people that could create for themselves or create for others. Gordon Hayward fits that. 16, 5, and 5 is what he has been up to for the last 30 years, it feels like. Again, barring good help, health, this is a player that can close out real minutes for you, close out playoff games for you. if. Josh Giddy's not being guarded. Now, Gordon Hayward has not been a three-point shooter. And, and a, lot, <laughs> a lot of my Gordon Hayward opinions are statistic-based because I have not watched him much the last year and a half or so, okay? But his his uh, his shooting numbers have not been as good as maybe one of them on catch and shoot and stuff. But I trust him a lot of a hell more than I trust Josh Giddy. He works that mid-range area just like Shea Gears-Alexander. I was looking at it. 55% of his shots come from the mid-range area so far this season. And again, having another guy that can swing it or can create for himself to create for others, it's going to go a very long way. I love Trey Mann as a player, but Trey Mann was not a player that was going to have an opportunity to, to really give you minutes. You have, you have a plethora of guard wings on the team. He deserves to go to a place where he can play real minutes. And guess what, y'all? After these trades, I'm I'm actually excited to watch the Hornets play basketball for about a week. I'm actually excited. Brandon Miller, 
phenomenal in the last month. Miles Bridges, he's been good. He's been really good, but I'm not giving him much more than that. Um, and then when LaMelo's back from his injury, it's a team that might be somewhat fun. Trey Mann getting real minutes finally, 25 to 30 minutes a night, hopefully. I'm excited to watch them again for like a week or so, and then I'll go back to watching my highlights of Brandon Miller. <laughs> That's one of, the most, one of the most underrated parts of a trade deadline is that we, we finally get to see players that we haven't seen really get a lot of minutes get a lot of minutes. You know, I am excited to watch more Pistons basketball. You know, now some of these teams didn't do much. Like the Wizards, eh. the Spurs, eh. I'll still just watch my Wimby. The Trailblazers holding on to Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, it's not anything too impressive. Um, Killer Hayes got waived. And normally, <laughs> normally, it's not something I would even care about. I, I'm excited to see what team picks up Killian Hayes. And when he got waived, again, I was live streaming on Twitch. And people like, get ready, get ready to go back overseas, go back home to France and play in their league or go to China and play in their league. I'm not confident that's the way it's going to go. I think as long as Killian Hayes wants to be in the NBA, he will get another opportunity. I went throughout the history of the last decade of all of the people that were drafted high in the lottery that flamed out. All of them. All of them. Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson, uh, Chris Dunn, who's back. Um, Dante Exum, who's back. All of these people got at least three different shots at the NBA. So Killian is going to get picked up by a team. And I'm hoping that it is a Spurs. <laughs> That French connection. And then I'll watch more Spurs game. Because uh, the Spurs are a team that have um, done a damn good job of taking players that cannot shoot for anything and turn them at least to a league average three-point shooter. Maybe Killian is the next success story for them. Or maybe it's the Memphis Grizzlies who just gave Gigi Jackson a full guarantee. Shout out to Gigi. I'm so happy for you, my boy. Um, he will get another chance somewhere as long as he wants to. Now, if he wants to go back overseas, that's going to be an option for him as well. But there are going to be a team that's like Killian is our is a guy that we're going to take a flyer on. Here's a minimum contract for the next month and see if what we can do. Um, what was funny, and this is me just getting to the drama of the NBA. I can't lie to you. As much as I love a actual basketball, I love the drama of the association a lot more. Um, two minutes. Literally two minutes after Killian Hayes got waived. Jaden Ivey went onto Instagram and posted a picture of him, Cade, and some videos of them hooping together, just them together. And he put out a Bible verse that I didn't read, but it was a Bible verse. Now, timing is a bit weird then. I, I always thought about things like this. When you have a player that is so much worse than his, his peers, but are given an opportunity, like Killian Hayes started games over Jaden Ivey this season. Think about this. He started games over Jaden Ivey this season. I bet Jay Knight was looking at him across the locker room like, I don't know what they see in you. And the moment he gets right, two minutes after he gets waved, he, he, he popped his collar. And then he had another great game. Shout out to Jay Knight. I thought for a second, two months ago, you were going to be a bull. Good thing they didn't. For, good thing for them, they didn't make that decision. Um, and we got some quickies here. Again, we're talking about a trade deadline that wasn't very active. Um, trades that I enjoy, or a trade that I enjoyed was Buddy Hill getting traded to Philly. Um... This was a trade that I'm not surprised about whatsoever. I'll just say that. Um, Marcus Morris, who's been waived. Um, Forcock Korkmaz, who's been waived. <laughs> and three seconds for Buddy Hill. And people are like, man, Buddy Hill only gets you three seconds. Why is it an expiring contract? I don't know what else you could have expected for a Buddy Heald. Um, and I like it for the 76ers. It gives them the opportunity to still stay flexible come this offseason. And they desperately, desperately did more three-point shooting. I don't really know 
in a playoff series, if those two players, Buddy Heald and Tyrese Maxey, can hold their own defensively, that's not something I'm thinking about in this moment of time. I'm just thinking about them staying pat and trying to stay above the play-in while Joel Embiid is out because right now they have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Pacers, um, two and a, half, a three-game lead over the Heat. And the way they've been hooping without Joel Embiid, that's in jeopardy. And maybe Buddy Heald's three-point shooting prowess, shout out to, to uh, Walt Frazier, um, is enough to at least keep them afloat. If they play at a 500 team pace, they'll be okay. That has not been the case uh, for the last, whatever, 15 games without Joel Embiid. They've been dreadful. Um, next trade that was one of the most fun things about the deadline, Patrick Beverly breaking his own trade on the podcast. New media, man. New media. And I don't know who's in charge over there. I don't know if it's Pat or if it's Rowan themselves. I don't know if they have a, I, well, I know they have a full team, but I don't know who's making the decisions. But to hop on YouTube live 10 minutes after you got traded, what a great thing for the numbers. I was having my own live stream and I went to their live stream because <laughs> I wanted to see what Pat Bell was feeling about being traded because he was kind of important in Philly. Now, Philly is also thinking that they're about to get uh, Kyle Lowry, bring him home to Philadelphia. Um, so that makes sense if, if that's the case. But Patrick Beverly had been one of the guys. Pat Bev is one of those dudes that will go to a, a, um, a blue-collar city and raise hell, and fans are going to fall in love. And I think that's what had happened in Philly. But they, they would rather have Kyle Lowry. And in 2024, I actually saw this happening, like real NBA discourse on who's been better, Patrick Beverly. Okay, this year. Ah, and you know what? It's somewhat valid of a conversation. Now, if we think about who Kyle Lowry is, traditionally, it's no conversation whatsoever. But the brother's almost 40-ish. Like he's he's getting up there in age. Um, but they'd rather have the hometown hero come back, and I'm not mad at that. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks get a, a point of attack defender, and now it's just gonna be fun, fun to see Dame and Patrick Beverly share a court together after a decade of them hating each other. Um, even Pat Bev on his podcast said he got to fix his relationship <laughs> with Dave. And I was in Milwaukee yesterday for the game and um, really enjoyed myself. Shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks. They showed me great hospitality, um, allowing me to sit courtside for a little bit. Not for the full game, but, but to watch the warm-ups and stuff. They gave me a custom jersey. And for a second, I wanted to like troll and put the picture up of me holding a Bucks jersey after the Bulls did nothing and say, hey. Somebody else wanted me as a fan, but I obviously I'm, I'm a Bulls diehard. But um, Pat Bell would say, like, I might have to hop on a flight to Milwaukee right now. And I was like, oh, my God, is Pat Bell about to pull the P.J. Tucker? P.J. Tucker got traded. And then six hours later, he was playing for the Clippers. Like, is he about to come to this game? He, obviously, he didn't end up making it. Um, But I, I enjoy it for the Bucks. Obviously, Patrick Beverly is a better player than Cameron Payne. He's a be better point of attack defender than, than Cameron Payne. But this doesn't fix the defensive stuff that we've seen over the, the season. It doesn't fix... Um, the one in five start under Doc Rivers, you know, but it's another real NBA player. So it's like in my notes, I literally have the word sure. That's all the notes I have about this trade. It says sure. Um, so that's the deadline, man. That's the deadline. Now, for, for the other trades that I didn't I didn't talk about, I think that they might be relatively insignificant. I think <laughs> like I'm sure that's like why I, I can't talk about every single trade. But if you want me to talk about, um, oof. yeah, I don't got it. I don't got it. So you let me know who, who are the winners and the losers of this NBA trade deadline. What do you agree or disagree with? I am going to bring in my guy, Greg, to give me his eye test, eye, his eye test hot takes. That's what it's called. 
So uh, the Kenny Beaton Podcast fandom, they know that you're a diehard Warriors fan. What is your take on your no deadline decisions? I'm disappointed. Uh, I like the way they've been looking recently, but like like you said earlier, they're not a contender. And when you have Steph Curry at the back end of his prime, you got to do everything you can, as you said in the earlier episode, to give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. And right now they really don't have a chance. So in my mind, you got to give up another pick. Or you got to give up another player to get someone like a, um, like a Dorian Finney-Smith or even Mikael Bridges if you give up Kaminga and Moody. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to my stuff in the eye test, but I'm not as high on Kaminga as a lot of Warriors fans. And because I'm such a Steph Curry fan more so than a Warriors fan, I'm trying to maximize him and his career. I don't really care what happens after that. So I'm giving up everything. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested about the Dante Kaminga thing. So let's let's get to the eye test hot takes. So let's let's start with the Kaminga thing. So Kaminga's ceiling is lower than most people think. I believe he's going to be a cross of a very poor man's Jalen Brown and an Aaron Gordon. I guess I'm not into the the circles that you are in, especially your Warriors fandom. What do other people believe his ceiling could potentially be? Are they thinking all-star? Are they thinking superstar? I think they think it's like, not necessarily a Kawhi Leonard, but like in that vicinity of like, he can be a primary scorer on a championship team and play both sides of the ball and be an all-NBA type of guy. Okay, yeah, I would pump the brakes on that for sure. Um, and I like Jonathan Kaminga's game. He's he's one of the few people that have been able to uh, speak out about his minutes and then immediately get the minutes in an average 20. Like, it's it's kind of insane. Um, yeah, I, I've never watched Kaminga's game and thought that he would be a Kawhi Leonard-esque or even, even a superstar. A, a lead guy on a championship team is, we're talking, that's the top, top 3% of all of basketball. So I definitely don't see that. And honestly, the the ceiling that you put him, a poor man's Jalen Brown or Aaron Gordon, would be amazing. I, honestly, I, I think that, that that's a player that is really integral to any championship team. Because I do believe he has a ceiling to guard many positions across the court. I don't know if I believe in the jump shot for real. Like, I know it's been about a month or so where he's been hitting it at a high clip. I just don't, I don't know if I believe it just yet. I think I'm closer to you on this than them. But I might be still slightly higher than you at the same time. So if that's his ceiling and say he doesn't reach that ceiling for two more years, is it worth keeping him with Steph Curry if Steph's going to be 37, 38 by the time that hits? No, but I also think that it would have to be the the deal, you know, the deal to bring in the top end talent, right? It's not, we're not trading them for, and I know you're not saying this either, but you're not trading them to add the sixth most important player on the championship team because Jonathan Kaminga can be that. If you're packaging Kaminga, I think you're going for another all-star caliber talent guy. He'd be the centerpiece in that. Um, Because I do believe that a lot of people would see what he has been doing over the last month or so and be like, okay, that's a guy that we could help build our new foundation if we're selling our star player, you know? Um, So I honestly would hope that the conversations in that front office are very fluid and not to think that anybody is untouchable outside of Steph Curry. But you never really know. This is like their first take of running an NBA team when you really think about it. So we don't really know where their priorities really lie just yet. And yesterday in the post-game interview, Steph did say that he was in on the talks with Dunleavy and approved everything they did. Who knows if that's all true (laughs) or not. Um, And what I will say is I've lost all trust in Wiggins, but 
if he can play like he's been playing the last couple games, there's a a, a chance. There's a yeah. chance. Yeah. No, he's been um, he's back to looking like not the not the All Star starter version or the NBA Finals version, but like just a real. He's he looked like a real competent NBA player again. Which, as of right now, when you compare it to two months ago, that's that's good enough at the moment, you know. And maybe he could get back to the other ones. And it's amazing, like when you see him hitting shots, Clay hitting shots. It's amazing how different the Warriors look, just based off yeah. just playing like they're supposed to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get a, a normal Clay Thompson season. A lot of the stuff that we talk about around the Warriors, we don't talk about. You know, he's he's just that important to their offense. Um, I guess their defense too, but yeah. All right, next one. No one should feel bad for Ben Simmons. <laughs> is it, there is Ben Simmons truthers still? I, I I feel like you still see some stuff out there. I mean, again, maybe I'm running in the wrong circles, but I feel like you still yeah. see some stuff that's like, you know, he's going through stuff. He's gonna get it back. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's definitely lost a lot of the the media attention. Yep. But and I've been. This is kind of a me thing. I've been very very anti Ben Simmons since he was in college. I think he's mm. always been a fraud. Um, mm. I think he's always been arrogant. And to me, there's nothing that this dude has shown that shows that one, he will ever change or two, that you should feel like he has any sort of self-awareness or remorse or feels any type of way about himself as a player or a person. When in fact, I think he should feel awful about how he's handled his career. I'm going to push back a little bit on like that all NBA season of his I think that was that was real. The the defense that he provided for the 76ers, and I think this is a year before the, the legendary pass up of, of a dunk. I genuinely believed in that moment in time that he would end up being one of the top 15 players in basketball eventually. And and I think he was going to that trajectory, uh, trajectory. But I, I I feel you when you talk about not feeling bad for him. I mean, at, at the at the end of the day, some of the stuff, it, it is brought on stuff. Like, obviously, he can't control his back being hurt. He can't control this or that. But he, he did actively sabotage his team for six months, you know? And that's something that is rare in NBA history, you know? Like, it, it's becoming somewhat more common nowadays. But Ben was, like, one of the first people to really do that. I, I Honestly, when I said Ben Simmons Truthers, I have a few on my other podcasts that are Ben Simmons Truthers. Like, he, really? he's going to do this. He's going to do that. And then um, I have not watched a ton of Nets, but I have been keeping tracks on Ben Simmons himself. It's hard for me to say that he'll get back to, let's say, 70% of the player that he was in his All-NBA season because he does not look at the basket. And he does not like to get fouled. And you are a 6'10 guard, so be it. Being afraid to be fouled is like one of the most detrimental things to a, a player of his size and his caliber. Imagine if Giannis was afraid to get fouled. This man's get called for 10 second violations regularly, but he's going to continue to add that pressure. And Ben Simmons throughout the course of his career, it seems like the only time he really gets up is when he's super disrespected by a specific player. Rudy Gobert says something. I'm going to drop 40 on Rudy Gobert. And that's it. Like in a half court, and, and again, I've watched every single one of Ben Simmons' possessions since he's been back, and I'm actively watching the ones from last night because I was in Milwaukee. He he's not he doesn't create for himself. The times that he has scored is him as the role man. And guess what he did? He didn't roll all the way to the basket. It's a little hook above the. I'm with you. 
I'll just I mean, say there, were, there were tons of Philly fans that wanted to keep Simmons over Embiid. I mean, do you think if you asked Ben Simmons straight up right now, are you still a top 20 guy in the NBA? He would say yes. I think he would. I think he would think too. He would. And you know what makes me think he would? Because every time he has a setback or injury, he drops a mixtape saying he's coming back. And that's the stuff in, that really gets <laughs> under my skin. <laughs> no, I feel, I, I, I really feel that. I really feel that. All right, last one. And I'm sorry, these are pretty negative today. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, know, I know the brand is more positive than this. So I'll yeah. try to spin it, mix it up. But um, watching the Spurs a lot, the Spurs guards don't quite realize that getting Wemby the ball and you know throwing him the lob on the break, hitting him in transition, rather than scoring themselves, is actually what's going to one boost their reputation and guy and their just what people think of them around the league, and two will get them paid because Wemby one will want to play with them because they get him the ball and it just makes them look good. Like it, it, they'll get on highlights, but them trying to score is what's making them look like they have no self awareness and no vision. Yeah, there's um there's a clip pre draft of Dem Vassell on Instagram Live. I don't know if you've seen this. And he said, quit talking about the Wimby kid or something like that in his Instagram Live. And then we had to play from maybe two weeks ago where the play was drawn up for a Wimby lob on a game-winning shot attempt. And instead, Dem Vassell took a 32-foot three-point shot heavily contested. And then when he was asked about it afterwards, he said that there was no one in front of him. So he took the shot that was open. But if you watch that footage, he's that's a heavily contested. Um, and, and so many times. And, and Wimby, and this is why... Wimby is my rookie of the year, and I think he's even better than what most people recognize, is because there is four to five times, and maybe, maybe I'm underselling it, where his teammates don't get him the ball when he should get the ball. That's an extra eight to 10 points. We're talking about just him diving to the basket. We're, talk, we're talking about him um, beating his man, and he's seven foot five, just throw the ball up. So I, I agree with you, but I also think that those players haven't had anything like this in their entire lifetime. Right, you think about Devin Vassell as an NBA player. He's never really had a guy that's been significantly better than him. That is the new driver of the boat, Keldon Johnson. Same situation, and these are people that also already got their extensions and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you paid me thirty or uh, twenty-eight million dollars annually. I think I deserve eighteen to nineteen shots per night because that's what you pay me for, right? When in reality, these people are supposed to be complimentary to the big fella. And he's averaging, what, 24 points per game but him not having more than one teammate that can actively get him the ball when he needs it. So that's one of the reasons why when we were talking about the deadline, I was surprised they didn't do anything considering there were guards, playmaking guards on the market. Killian Hayes would get that man the ball. That's 100%. what I said. Killian I mean, Hayes would. Isn't it what you dream of to be able to just throw the ball up as high as you can, have someone dunk it? Like, that's fun. It's That's to me is more fun than scoring a layup. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? It opens a game up more for you, Devin and Keldon and so other people because the man the man is going to see double teams. He's going to see triple teams, and that means that the rotation might not be great or they're helping off you, and you'll just get more open looks. Um, and honestly, they're, what, the fifth youngest team in basketball? I think with time, it's going to get a lot better. But it definitely reminds me of when um, uh, Darius Miles and them were like, LeBron who? We already got an all-star. You know, like that's what it reminds me of. It's also where I question Pop for as, you know, historically how great of a coach as he is. Like, why is he not coaching these dudes? Mm. Yeah, I, he's got to the point where I just can't, I can't get there to criticize Pop um, more than early in the season saying, like, why is Jeremy playing point guard? Like, you know, 
And then eventually they stopped doing that. And then we saw Wimby's we saw Wimby's numbers get dramatically better the moment Jeremy Sohan left the starting lineup as the point guard. I'm 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 just I don't know if it's causation or it's just correlation, but it's something. So um I still trust Pop's ability to to coach things, but it's not looking amazing. I think that on paper that team is a lot better than what, what let me let me look at their record really quick. A 10 and 42 record. I think they're a better team than 10 and 42, honestly. They should any, be any team with Wemby should be better than 10 and 42. Absolutely. But here they are. I want to remind y'all at home to leave a like and subscribe to the channel. Go over to Spotify, go over to Apple and give us five stars, man. We want to continue to grow up those charts. Um, we also dropped an episode last week where we had um, Atlanta Hawks own Anyeka Kongo on the episode. So if you missed that, we'll put that at the end card right now. So you can click on it and I'll see y'all in a couple, mi- couple minutes, a couple days. Peace.